Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And Zach is always great at kind of giving us the rundown of what's going on in the markets, in the world of finance, and helping us kind of prepare and plan best for our future retirements and just kind of knowing what's going on. So Zach, what is up right now? You know, it's, it's, uh, we were kind of talking about this off air and, and, and it's probably more interesting to me than it is to most people. Uh, (laughs) what I do for a living. Right. But, um, what, what you're seeing right now is, is really, um, to me, it's fascinating. Meaning, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that realize the market's gone up when the stock market's up 16 and a half percent or something like that this year. Um, we've done some, we've done some homework on it and what you're seeing right now legitimately has never occurred before. Okay. So what, what, when I say that, what am I talking about? In over a six month period of time, you have never seen a stock market rally of double digits like this in an environment where earnings and profits or earnings and revenues are going down. So profit and revenue is going down across the S&P 500 at the same time interest rates are going up. So, and people are like, well, you know, they're not as fascinated by that as I am. But what do you mean? Why is that such a big deal? Well, the interest rate issue particularly is fascinating because when interest rates go up, it's not that I think stocks shouldn't be going up with them, but when interest rates go up, stocks are worthless, right? So it's called discounting, right? So it's how we value assets. So for instance, let's say I can make one and a half percent owning a 10 year US government bond, right? One and a half percent. It doesn't tell you what stock should be worth, but bottom line is, at one and a half percent, the 10 year US Treasury means that stocks should probably be higher than normal, okay? Because we've got to discount an asset, right? No asset lives in a vacuum. If we're trying to value an asset, it's always compared to what, right? We gotta, we gotta give, we gotta have context. And discounting is something that we use in the world of finance to, to, to try to give us relative value or to, 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 to value an asset, right? And the most widely used instrument in the world to discount is the 10-year U.S. Treasury. Well, when the 10-year U.S. Treasury goes from one and a half to four, I'm not telling you how much stocks should go down, but they shouldn't go up, right? Right, because it literally, I just think about it. Like if I'm willing to take X amount of risk when the 10-year Treasury is paying one and a half, the bottom line is, is that I should be, I should be willing to take substantially less risk when it's paying four. That makes sense, right? I think so, yes. In other words, let's, let's think of it like this. So let's say we're gonna buy a company, okay? Let's not think about stock, but let's say we're gonna buy a company and we as investors get paid by profits, right? Revenue doesn't pay us, we gotta, we gotta have profit. So let's say that company, whatever we pay, let's say we buy it for a billion dollars and it churns out $80 million of profit a year. That's an 8% net return, right? Now. Owning a company, there's a lot of risks that come with owning a company, right? So we're sitting there trying to determine whether this is a good deal or not. So what do we know? We know that there's all these different risks involved in owning a company. We've got to deal with employees, got to deal with wages and taxes and the economy and all that other kind of stuff. So we're going to get an 8% net return on our capital. If I can take zero risk and get 5%, that may make that 8% not worth it. Mm. Right? Like, it's because you're like, there's a risk premium in there. I'm taking zero risk, making five. 
Now I'm risking a lot more capital to make eight, right? Me, where's that break even? And, and, and it's always a little bit fungible. My point is this, when the 10 year treasury is paying 1.5, that 8% is a lot more attractive. When it's paying four, that 8% is a lot less attractive. Okay, now what's insane is that we've seen the largest and fastest interest rate hike in history. And what are stocks doing? They're going right up with it, right? So, so it's not a thing where we're sitting there going, hey, we think something bad is gonna happen. We think you should be, we think you, should be um, you know, careful, look out for stocks. It's that on a financial analysis basis, stocks are worth less than they were at the beginning of the year. Why? Because interest rates are higher, period. Now, we don't even need to bring in the economic weakness we're seeing and the slowdown and what it looks like just rolling right into a recession. I'm not even, I'm not even having to go there. I'm just saying interest rates and stocks should not be going up at the same time, specifically when the earnings and profit on those stocks are dropping too. So why, 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 why is this happening? Why? Okay, so that's a great question. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's he's like, let me have a drink. Yeah, you're right, right. This, this is a this is a vodka this. Gatorade, right? <laughs> um, so why do people why do why do why do people think men can have babies? <laughs> I, you know. So everything is just fake. Like there's nothing real in our world anymore. Everything is I fake, mean, including the world of finance. Yeah, I mean, sort of in the market. The the one thing I will say is that there, I I do think that there are some reasons why this is happening. A I think we have to remember that first of all, in every stock market crash or in every recessionary market fall, you have what we call bear market rallies. So meaning everybody thinks there's always moments where you have false dawns and everybody's like, oh, the worst is over. You got to get back in. Market rallies, retraces a big piece of what it lost. It builds false hope, right? Sucks everybody back in and then rolls over again. That, that's a feature of every single recessionary market of all time, okay? This one is especially poignant though, or this one's, a spe I, I think one of the reasons this one's bigger is due to the fact that this has been the longest bull market cycle in US history, right? We've gone 15 years without a recession effectively. We've gone 15 years without the market not having, we had one down year, right? In the last 15 years and the market was down 6% in that one year, it was 2018. Okay, so you've got entire, you've got, you've got portfolio managers who are seasoned veterans now who have never seen a down market. And what have they seen for 15 years? They saw buy the dip, right? Buy the dip in tech, especially buy the dip, buy, buy the dip in tech at any cost. Don't pay attention to fundamentals. Don't pay attention to earnings, just buy the dip in tech. And when you build that muscle up for 15 years, you know, I think it's a lot longer time. We just say it flippantly, 15 years. You know, that's 20% of the average lifespan, right? So I, I think that that's one of the biggest reasons, just the, mar the muscle memory that's been built up over the last 15 years. It's a big part to play in it. The other part is this, we live in a different economy and a different society now post 08, 09. Meaning if you look at the economic, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, I'm just, I, if you look at the economic backdrop and if you told me that there was going to be no Fed intervention, right? So the central banks, Fed could no longer intervene. You could be looking at a depression. You, you could, right? The debt levels have gotten that lot. The, 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 there's so many things so out of whack in the economy that you could potentially, now it's not going to happen because the Fed will just print money and paper over it like they've been doing for 15 years, right? Yeah. So that's another thing. And that's kind of one of the things we're looking at. Maybe this isn't the stock market rallying with higher interest rates. 
I mean, that's what's happening. Maybe it's the stock market looking through the, the recession going, we know the Fed's going to have to print again. So I don't think that's the case. I think this is just a classic bear market rally fueled by a lot of people thinking the Fed's going to bail them out. And so we should so we should be looking at a depression, but we're not because the Feds are going to be bailing everybody out. 100 percent. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. All, well, I'm just saying, if you look at the debt loads and factor in the interest rates and you look at that, mm -hmm. if you let this economy run and it had to it had to deal with itself, you, right. you could be looking at depressionary scenarios. 100 percent. Okay, well that yeah, and, and you, you can do a certain so so here's a quick little uh, a quick little way to look at this. Um, a, a colleague of mine who's very well respected did did a study and went through and broke it down. And you if you had if interest rates stayed where they were right now, there there's not a lot of refinancing of corporate debt this year. But if interest rates stayed where they were last now right now, and you just let things go forward and the Fed didn't intervene and didn't buy down rates and these guys had to go to market with the debt that they have and refinance at today's rates right now, somewhat like more than 85% of American companies would be insolvent. That's bad. Yeah. Wow. All of the banks would be insolvent. All of them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and so I don't think people really understand like how far off track we are. Right. That's why I say we don't live in a free economy anymore. Oh. Right. This is a, this is a planned, organized, communist style economy. And it, whether, whether you want to admit it or not, that's what it is. I'm so yeah, depressed. Thanks a lot, Zach. Well, yeah, hey, ladies, I bring good news, right? I'm the bearer good news. <laughs> now, he, now, here is the upside. Though. Okay, like yay. I said, oh. we're not going to see a depression. It's not going to happen. Why? Because if they have to, they'll send $10,000 checks to everybody. Like, we've already seen them do it, right? Oh, my God. That we have to pay but for. That's, oh, that's come on. Now you sound like an adult, right? We, <laughs> we don't. We don't pay for. Things. Shame on me. Yeah, shame on you. Come on, we live in the imaginary time. So what? Right? What has uh, to happen to right the ship? And is it even possible? No, it's not possible. Not at this point. Wait. The numbers have gotten. Too, yeah, the numbers have gotten too large. So. Yeah, because John Kerry's talking in quadrillions. Yeah. That the numbers have gotten way too yeah, large. Yeah, no, and, and, and I can't even like no wrap my can. brain around that number. Yeah, nobody. I don't even understand. No, and it. that's one of the problems, right? That's one of the problems. When we start talking, even about billions, right? Let alone you get into trillions. No, nobody has a. We we say the word, but if you stack a trillion, what is it? I, I want to say if you stack a trillion dollars on top of themselves, again, do not quote me, but I want to say it's like 32,000 miles yeah, or something, something like that. Yeah, it's something insane. Right, just stack up dollar bills, like 32,000 miles, and maybe it's 60. I don't know, it's some insane number, right, or some insane distance. And you're looking at a country now that's, what are we, 33, 34 trillion dollars in debt? And then, yeah. And then that debt is a little bit different than regular debt. and and. What, and I sound like I'm splitting hairs here, but it's also the corporate debt. When you look at the amount of money, not just the government's own, but the corporation's own and individual's own. If you had to, if everybody, like, do you see, are you guys familiar with what's happening in corporate office space right now? Because they can't, they can't rent it out because everybody's working at home. Right. And then they have to refi it. Remember, corporate office yeah. space is financed typically on five-year terms. Right. So mm -hmm. basically every year, 20% of the inventory is coming up for refi. Right. So right. when they refi, after they refi at these rates, 
at all of it's insolvent when they factor in the lower rent rates and, and all that other kind of stuff, right? So literally, there are buildings coming up for refinance that are literally getting sold for 50, 60, and 70% discounts to what they were previously financed at. Wow. It's insane. I mean, why are there still office buildings going up? At least in, in my town. I, I continue to see the construction and They're I'm just building like, what? Them. We have yeah. enough. What are you doing? Well, it's, mm -hmm. it's, what are you it's doing? called sunk costs, right? Like, so... Now, a lot of them have shut down. A lot of building operations have shut down. I've got a buddy that that is like the superintendent for a large home builder. And he's telling me the biggest thing that's happening right now in home building is other builders trying to purchase partially finished deals off of other builders. They, and the reason they've got to buy them off the other builders is the other builders can't get them financed. Oh my right. Gosh. So the, the financing is just locked up. And that's why when we have this, are we going into recession debate? I'm just like, come on. Like, yes. I, and I can't tell you when it will officially start. My guess is third or fourth quarter of this year. Like, I think it's happening right now. But it's just a matter of credit contraction, right? When you get a when you get an economy that's this levered, debt has to continue to grow for the economy to grow, right? If debt growth stops, right, because it, it's so big, right? When the debt gets so big that you have to continue to grow the stack in order to keep forward progress. And the debt right now is contracting. Um, and we see that, you know, across the, the all different walks of life. I mean, you know, it, you go talk to anybody trying to buy a house right now, it's significantly harder to get a loan. Go talk to corp, you know, people that own corporate office space. So it's pretty wild in the sense where you're looking at a backdrop, you're like, you know, if the, we were left on our own here, this would be flat out a depression. And we'll just print our way through it, you know, because we don't believe in recessions anymore. So, Is it possible that next week there might be something like lighter, like better news? Is it possible that we could have <laughs> a discussion <laughs> or in two weeks rather about, I mean, is there well, anything that we can look at that's like a light at the end of the tunnel or just some kind of hope, anything hopeful? I mean... I, I think artificial intelligence is going to be a big deal. It's going to make a big difference. But economically speaking, no, I think unfortunately, you know, as a society, and I think you guys will see this politically, like as a society, I feel like we're a bunch of like strung out on sugar kids that are just like, we want more, we, you know, just keep it going. Um, I just think now's the time to pay the piper. And I don't think anybody wants to. I think the Fed wants to push it off. I think the government wants to push it off, but you're just kind of looking around. And that's the crazy thing about watching the stock market rally. Like the the, the, the stuff that is rallying the hardest are the companies who are losing the most money. It, it, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, and you look at some of these companies, like Apple set a new all-time high this year on the back of two consecutive quarters of declining revenues, profits, and margins. And they set a new all-time high compared to when interest rates were at zero 18 months ago. So you're sitting there going, I, I don't, their stock isn't worth more. Interest rates have gone up. You have to discount that into the price. Market disagrees. So, um, I, yeah, I, no, it doesn't look good. I mean, nothing looks good, not at these levels. I, and again, I will still say that, you know, I'm not predicting impending economic doom. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to have that. And, and you go, unfortunately, why would you say that? Because the longer we're off of reality, the worse it gets, right? And we'll just continue. Yeah, and then we're, it, it's just we're, we're relying on this communist um, economy, which is like, ugh, right. that's screwing right. your kids. And, I mean, and, like and so where it ends is inflation. Like that's where it will end up, right? This will not end with a people like think of, we in America think of worst case economic outcomes as things dropping in price. 
right? What we've gotten a taste of a little bit in the last 18 months is there's something worse than that, right? There's a benefit to deflation and depression and that is things drop in price, right? There's a lot of bad things that come with it too, right? And so we're all used to, oh, well, prices up are good. No, the, the end of every economy is inflationary, not deflationary, right? So the way every economy fails is through currency devaluation, not the other way around. And I think we have started that long path. I, again, I don't think anything, there's a lot of, virtually every other country in the world is in a worse place than we are. But the reality is what it is. When you get 150% debt to GDP, you don't come back from that. No country ever has. So you're, by definition, you're starting the terminal decline. Okay. <laughs> so. so other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Right. right? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> well, you know so, what we can say about you, yeah. Zach, is that we always learn a lot. And so at least we, do. You know, we appreciate Absolutely. that even when the news isn't great. We do appreciate it. Zach, of course, you are the chief investment officer at Capital Management. Where else can people find more information about you and how you might be able to help them through all of this crap? Because you definitely uh, yeah. give it to people straight. Yeah. You give it to yeah. people straight. That's for sure. If nothing else, we'll give it to you straight. Okay. That's so, right. Uh, best way to get us is knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. We also do a radio show that airs once a week, and you can find that at just Google Know Your Risk Radio Podcast or just type it into you know iTunes or whatever podcast you have. You'll find us, Know Your Risk Radio. We'll pop right up. And um, yeah, not too hard to find. That's the good news. Thank you so much, Zach. Appreciate it. Awesome. All Thank right. you. Anyway, have a Investment advisory services offered through Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only. It should not be considered specific investment advice, does not take into consideration your specific situation, and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and are not guaranteed, and past performance is no guarantee of future results. For specific tax advice on strategy, consult with a qualified tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of The Todd Herman Show. You might have heard me on Rush Limbaugh's show. I was a regular fill-in for about eight years. I now do a show out of the high mountains of free America because, you know, I got exiled from Seattle. Google Gemini correctly predicts the present day. Mind control matrix. The internet, television, even our phones wouldn't just be distractions, but tools used to manipulate the masses and suppress critical thinking. I said that correctly. Check out The Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Why are so few singers protesting Hamas? Five for Fighting's John Andrasik has an answer. Talk to some managers and folks, and, and I have, and you know, there's certain iconic artists that in other times would be writing these songs. I'm like, where are they? And they'd say, well, you know, they're scared. They're scared for their families. They're scared that their concerts will be protested. But those are the same arguments people used in 1938. Hear more on the Hollywood in Toto podcast, The Right Take on Entertainment. Find it on iTunes or your favorite audio platform.